Hey, what's up, you guys? Does capitalism get you down? Does the constant pressure to be productive get to you? Are you tired of being a cog in the machine? Then we invite you to be part of the revolution against toxic productivity by embracing the useless things. Welcome to episode 62 of the Very Unimportant People podcast. Do less. I'm your host, Lydia, and this week I went to my high school friend, but not really friends, band performance, incognito, (laughs) and planned to say hi to him, and then chickened out, and then left, and then, okay, and then... Just I'll tell the whole story. Go ahead. Yeah. Go. Okay. I'll introduce okay. myself after. Okay. Whatever. That's cool. Yeah. 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 You, I mean, you know, it's episode sixty-two. You probably know us. So anyway. So and then, mm-hmm. um, after the concert, like I couldn't find him, right? And after the show, we like left. And <laughs> actually, before we left, I feel like maybe this is important to include. Okay. So, um, when we first got there, I really wanted to support. Not only had I bought tickets to the show, but I also went up to the merch booth. And I talked to one of the people and I was like, hey, like, can I buy merch for this band? And they were like, oh, we're the other band that's performing tonight. Sorry. And I was like, oh, awkward. So I go over and I ask the <laughs> I oh, ask never this other woman. Yes, yeah. never. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, you can have a sticker, though. And I was like, OK, sick. So I took a sticker. And this is important later. So remember the sticker. Okay. So, <laughs> so I go to the other person and I'm like, yeah. hey, I want a T-shirt. And she was just like, perfect. I'm their manager. Here's a T-shirt. You're the first person to buy one. Thank you so much for being so blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I felt so special for supporting, even though it was like in secret. It actually kind of helped a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. I was just like, ooh, I'm like that incognito supporter. Deed. Like they think. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It was a good deed. And I felt amazing about it. And I got a T-shirt out of it. So win-win overall so the first band performs they're literally amazing and i can't stop listening to their music the second band performs they're also really really good and they're called sun junkies and this is important because that the next day i post this instagram story i mean sorry this instagram post on instagram Mm -hmm. and um i make the title it's not caption i title it sun junkies you know it was me and my friend we were looking cute no no it's it was the caption but i felt like I felt like a caption wouldn't really like to co- complete the vibe, you know, it needed mm. to be kind of a title. So I made it a little fancy. I added some sunshines around it. Oh. And this person from my high school um, who I went to go see and who I bought the t-shirt off of, like I didn't talk to him or anything. It was really incognito. I was feeling really shy. So I, <laughs> he had no idea I was there or so I thought. Uh-oh. So he goes into my Instagram and he tags the sun junkies in my Instagram post. And this is a problem because my friend dared me to ask the Sun Junkies lead singer for his phone number. And I did <laughs> under the guise that I needed a sticker because he was really cute. So I walked up to him and I was like, hey, you gave me a sticker earlier and I lost it. And I really liked your performance. Can I have another sticker? And can I have your number? And then he said, this is actually my girlfriend right here. <laughs> and then I said the worst thing you can say in this situation but i was under so much stress that i go i can imagine i was like i was, I was like oh it's so nice to meet you to the girlfriend i was like your Random boyfriend person. is so cute <laughs> and and i knew and i knew how i sounded i knew that that was the wrong thing to say honestly i think that's fine it was a little it was it, it was it was just awkward because I've seen girls on TikTok talk shit about the girl who is like, oh, your boyfriend is so cute. <laughs> I th- that sounds harmless to me. That sounds like, I mean, clearly I think the girlfriend knew your intention and the boy yeah. knew your intention asking for the number. 
So I feel like it's not it's not a secret that you think the boyfriend's cute, you know? Yeah, I feel like that's just you reacting and being like, good job, girl. Like, yeah, he's yeah. cute. I'm a back off now. My bad. Yeah. And then I, I, I left fine. so quickly. Yeah. And I and I think the fact that I left pretty much immediately out of shame really helped a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just like, okay, thank you for the sticker. Good job tonight. Bye. <laughs> like, doesn't mean that I dip. So then when my high school friend snaked me in the back and tagged the sun junkies in the fucking post, I was literally flipping my shit. I was unapologetically angry as fuck, weeping pillows at the fucking. (laughs) So embarrassing. Not only, not Mm. only did he tag the sun junkies in an absolute embarrassment on my behalf, but I had been caught red handed going to the show after not wanting to interact with him. Yep. So I decide that. There's no going back now. He knows I was there. So I messaged him and I was like, hey, you had a really good show. And he was just like, I thought I saw you, (laughs) but I wasn't sure. So I didn't say hi. And I was like, oh, weird. I was looking for you. Like, I didn't see him at all, but he saw me and he didn't come up to me and say hi. How did you not see him? Wasn't he on stage playing instruments? Yeah, I saw him on stage, but like that doesn't mean he saw me, you know? And then he didn't show up after the show. And like, I was hanging around because I was asking the Sun Junkies guy for his phone number. Like I was around, you know, I was there, I was chilling. And then I left really quick after that happened because I was so embarrassed. So maybe he came out after that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it was quite a fucking journey. And honestly, like... The whole tagging situation really reminded me of high school, which I think is really funny because he's an acquaintance from high school. So yeah it was a lot <laughs> That's funny. anyways i'm going to their show in Woo-hoo. a week and a half yeah it's gonna be so fun it's gonna be so great i love supporting you know people's art and people's talent <laughs> so yeah that was that it was really that was really uncomfortable but yeah it i'm was bad. <laughs> i'm glad you made the best of it and you're going back to see their show and yeah, you know what you're too. supporting a local artist so all good things exactly and honestly the show was really really good like oh. i like it was kind of rock music almost mm. but also indie and like people were headbanging and like by the end of the Sick. night i was like flipping my hair just shit like that i was having an amazing time it was really great <laughs> yeah yeah so cool. new new niche of uh, toronto culture to experience mm. unlocked i'm a i'm a i'm a groupie girl now i'm a local Look at groupie you. girl mm, mm, mm. <laughs> oh yeah i'm your co-host courtney <laughs> And uh, this week I had to write three separate reference letters for myself from three different perspectives. No. (laughs) It was incredibly uncomfortable. That's so weird. It was weird. It was an interesting exercise. Um, So basically what happened is I um, was coerced into applying for a scholarship. Oh, yes. 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 Um, I didn't really want to, but I ended up doing it to please someone else. So Mm. I am applying for the scholarship and you need two references for the scholarship. Mm -hmm. In addition to the two references, you also need to write like your own cover letter of why you are qualified for the scholarship. So I wrote my cover letter. No problem. You know, I know about myself. I can write about myself. No issue. Easy. And then I needed two other references and the timeline was like really tight so i um messaged the one person and he ended up asking me to write the reference letter because he didn't have much time and then send Uh -uh. it to him and then he would correct anything that he needed to sign it and submit it Mm -hmm. so 
that was already kind of an awkward experience yeah. to write one <laughs> reference letter yeah. about myself. Like, I had to put myself yes, <laughs> I had to put myself in the mind of this other person and write as a as if I was them, but like they didn't tell me anything that they they thought about about me so Mm. I was like I'm just assuming you like me and you think these things are good about me so I wrote it and I literally like sent it to him and wrote in my email I was like this was an awkward experience (laughs) 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 please change it all if you need to um but yeah he ended up liking it and he submitted Mm. it and he changed some of the wording to be stronger which was really nice of him so to be nicer which was good. And then, um, so I submitted that and then I reached out to my other reference and I was like, hey, it's ready to go for you. And she was like, actually, I have a lot of time commitments right now. Do you mind drafting the letter for me? Oh, and I was like, boy. So at this point, you already have experience. (laughs) And like, I'm really talking about all of the same experience, but I had to somehow find a way to say it differently and to like focus on different things in each of the letters and then also put myself in two different people's headspace. Like one of them is like a professor and the other one is like the head of like this organization. So I had to try to like write in their language and from their perspective about me. Wow. So it was just really awkward. <laughs> it's intense. <laughs> Super awkward. <laughs> yeah and super awkward too like oh the fact so that weird. i also had to send it to them after yeah is because the you're like assuming part. how they are yeah. gonna be talking and yeah. how they speak and like you're basically just like assuming their personality and like and i'm like yeah, bragging it's, about it's really myself weird. yeah yeah to them for them it's weird wow. i didn't like it that's very lazy of them like i'm pretty sure it takes maybe 10 minutes to write a cover or to write a reference letter like i could write you a good reference letter in like 10 minutes like it'd be so easy i'd be like yo carney's the best <laughs> these people like don't even have 10 minutes to set aside to write a nice little reference letter it was over the weekend so it's like fair enough you know they didn't so, want to be working okay. over the weekend so i get that i get that boundaries um but i ended up working over the weekend because of that <laughs> on behalf of writing myself three reference letters damn it uh so yeah if you, anyone really... needs a reference letter written hit me up i got oh, lots of practice at this point that's write a good this idea yeah <laughs> seriously you got lots of practice you could be like tell me a little bit about the person whose point of view i will be writing from <laughs> tell me a little bit about yourself Who tell me they? a little bit about this about that oh god that would be it's my acting experience my high school really drama shown. kid, yeah, really came in. Really I had to get myself in character. Real. I was like, mm. who am I? Let me be. What do I Let like? What do I person. value? What is my motivation? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what is my backstory? What is my history? <laughs> oh, dude, we had to fill out, like, just the longest things in drama school about our characters and we had to like make a bunch of shit up for motivation and like why would they say this one sentence and we had to hand in like six page question and answers about our characters <laughs> i don't even think it helped that much no <laughs> not gonna lie. i don't think so either and i literally never used it again yeah same here. don't i mean until until this weekend i did some <laughs> character work and <laughs> I did some character work. Uh, That's good stuff. Yeah. Okay, so uh, yeah, that's us. That's Lydia and that's Courtney. And uh, we are your hosts. (laughs) Sorry, Um, I I was jumping into that, but okay. No, that's okay. That's okay. Oh, we don't say it together anymore, do we? That was like 60 episodes ago. No, we stopped doing that. Yeah. I just completely... I think we did it once. My brain. Okay. Like, 
one time i think it was episode like it was some sort of like anniversary and we both said it together and we were like oh that was so cute like we didn't even plan that like we said it together but we changed the intro a couple times i think anyways that was a little bit of history about our podcast (laughs) a little bit of vup trivia for you guys yeah yeah what was our original name listen to episode one actually don't don't (laughs) (laughs) i hate it when people do that when they start from the very beginning don't do it yeah start from the top and i mean with spotify it organizes it from the top down usually unless you specifically change the setting so i'm (gasps) hoping most people are starting from the most recent and getting to know Mm -hmm. the current us Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. before and then you could work taking on episode number one (laughs) yeah yeah that'd be rough sad for a long time that was like one of our most downloaded episodes too and we were like no (laughs) (laughs) one day we should go back and redo episode plan like redo okay i like that idea yeah yeah we should do it that's good that's good (laughs) oh it's fine my opinion has like changed though about that people are fluid yeah i don't even think i have an opinion about it though i'm not gonna lie i don't really remember I was like, horoscopes are real. And you were like, why? And I was like, um, I was like, no, they're not. In the Mesopotamian era. No. <laughs> You're like, I don't get it. Why are they real? And I was like, well, the stars aligned one day. <laughs> it was so crazy. And cringe. in the next episode, we did research. Yeah. We learned our lesson. Game changer. It was a couple bangers. Yeah. Anyways, couple bangers let's, in the first ten. So we're having really we're having issues, attention focusing issues today. today. Yeah, let's get on track. Go ahead, Lydia, with your depressing so, opinion. Okay, <laughs> strap in, guys, because this might not be a lot of fun. <laughs> but you're gonna learn so much, so stay tuned. And if you don't want to stay discussion. tuned, skip forwards to Courtney's opinion, and uh, yeah, mine is just gonna be about tourism in the Caribbean. Um, I'm in a class right now about Caribbean tourism, and I took it as an elective, not thinking that it was going to be as difficult as it is, hmm, thinking that it like was fun. just going to be like a class, a bird course, if you will, like something Mojitos. that will boost the re- Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Mojitos on the beach. I really thought it was going to be like that. Um, I did not expect to have like these feelings about the Caribbean and about all-inclusive resorts and about like feeling guilty about going to them and then having like some of that guilt confirmed almost like a little bit because I feel like a lot of us kind of have that experience um where when you go to an all-inclusive resort you're like how okay is this like isn't this a poor country something does feel off so Mm -hmm. it was it was uh, you know I thought I was going to be learning about a bunch of stuff but instead I learned about how it's kind of low-key slavery it's uh european settlers and colonizers uh reliving that colonial dream um their countries are in debt so much debt so so much debt so much debt and they're fucked there's and it's so sad and now the nature is starting to give out on them and nature is the whole reason that they have tourism and now tourism is the only industry that exists in the caribbean I mean, it's not, but it's the the strongest industry. It's the biggest industry. It's what they're basing their entire economy on. And if it fails, then it's just just a really bad situation for them to be in. Mm -hmm. So um, 
I remember the first time I went to an all-inclusive resort. I was in elementary school and I went to Cuba and my dad was like talking to the people who were working on the resort about like the issues in Cuba and like the problems that they were having and was talking about like how poor they were and like how it's affecting them and how it's like specific to this resort and stuff like that and he was really like involved and interested in like the politics and the economics of what was happening in Cuba at the time but I was way too young to care so <laughs> so I like didn't I was like okay whatever and that was my first experience and then my second experience as an all, at an all-inclusive resort completely different um in Cuba we went on like excursions but the second one that I went to when in high school we stayed on the resort the entire time it was bougie people were just serving us drinks I was walking around like I fucking owned the place and like there was no one fulfilling my dad's role of talking to the staff about the country and about the economy and stuff like that and so it was adding to the weirdness of the experience to have like just room service and like service all the time and we didn't leave the resort once and it was like we went to this place but we didn't really go to this place it's like that myth yeah. about how like all all inclusives like it doesn't really matter which one you go to because yeah. they're all just sun sand sea it's <laughs> weird yeah it is weird right it's um, like if you went to an all-inclusive you didn't really it's like it, when you fly to a country and you don't leave the airport how it doesn't count oh, that's like yes. going to an all-inclusive it doesn't that's, really count yeah. it's not much of like a cultural experience no it's not and like people are like oh yeah i've been to i've been i've been to here i've been to here i've been to here i've been to here and it's like but did you really go to that place like i've met a lot of people who are like i've been to mexico eight times and then i went to cuba four times and then i went to the dominican republic three times and i'm going again this summer and it's like what did you do in the dominican republic (laughs) yeah mini america staying inside these resorts not leaving the resort once thinking that you're getting some sort of like crazy cultural experience because you're talking to the resort workers who are paid to be nice to you like (laughs) yeah you're not it's not really the kind of travel that i prefer anymore it's not the vibe it's stop (laughs) it's not the vibe (laughs) so tourism really started booming in the caribbean in the 50s flying became cheap And for the first time, uh, people in the global north, which is kind of us-ish, were hearing about the Caribbean from like British and European travelers. And these British and European travelers would write books and short stories that they released into the newspapers. And this was the first like imagery of the Caribbean tourism. And a lot Mm -hmm. of this imagery is still kind of present in the ads that we see today. So, for example, the first imagery was like that the Caribbean was untouched and nature was constantly lush. My mind when you said like imagery, I was like untouched yeah yeah and it looks like it's, it's like untouched. no one lives there and like it's yours for the taking and like um so their growing season is just all year around the soil is always fertile it's always sunny um they would write about the people there and in the description of the caribbean people kind of made it seem like they were actually a part of the landscape and a part of the view so the issue here turned into objectifying Caribbean people into Mm. the rest of the landscape and making them a part of the scenery and they were just observing them instead of like getting to know them and asking about their culture engaging at all instead they were just watching from afar as they like were in this landscape and the idea kind of became that people in the Caribbean were mentally and emotionally different because of like the sun and because of the wild and untamed nature around them and that became a part of their personality and this imagery of this like exotic and fertile place contributed to the idea that like 
white people change when they go to the Caribbean. And because the environment is like, and the heat and the soil and like just the fruit is like constantly there. It just means that like you're allowed to have all hell break loose and people become hedonists and um, people like kind of indulge in like all these kind of desires and fantasies that they might mm. have that like isn't seen as acceptable. But since it's so different in the Caribbean, like nobody judges you like nobody like it's fine. They're, they're so different there. Like you could just kind of do whatever you want. And um, yeah. And uh, the people um oh right okay so um this is this i'm gonna get a little dark just for like a second (laughs) and then i'm gonna get darker so oh um yeah maybe i should have put this a little later but that's okay and so the idea was that like nature the people were fertile and constantly Uh, like producing fruit and stuff like that yeah so um this idea was actually used to justify rape and rape didn't exist to like slave masters or to people who were like traveling there i guess because the example is the comparison is that a bee isn't raping the flower by pollinating it and that's kind of how they viewed the people who were living there that they were just kind of taking what was available like pollen for example (laughs) and like they are the bees and it's like they're just pollen yeah super cringe super fucked up super gross um and uh, on that note the first kind of ads about the caribbean were all about reliving colonialism you take a cruise you reenact colonialism some of the yeah some of the advertisements literally said come see the caribbean how columbus first did talk about columbus in the fucking ads (laughs) red flag it's yeah. a red flag, my boy. <laughs> right? And people are saying that this is still present, even if they don't use those words exactly. Yeah. In the imagery, there's, like, empty white sand beaches. And those, like, no people anywhere to be seen. So it's mm. interpreted as it's just yours for the taking. And you can go there and you can make your own narrative and just erases any culture of any of the people yeah, who were already Yeah, like, the real lives living. of people there it's just the beach yeah <laughs> it's just an empty beach as if someone beach else's isn't a beach public place yeah <laughs> for everyone to enjoy <laughs> um and there's also the imagery of caribbean people happily serving white men and women looking very welcoming with their like drink mm-hmm. in hand and like smile and this is like a pretty pretty old kind of image from slavery of this like woman like this topless woman like serving this man who's like who's like the master or whatever and she's just like just a, a part of the background she's being totally objectified to into serve. the background and yeah. yeah exactly and that's kind of her only purpose and so that's mm-hmm. still seen today in the advertisements and now there's a huge disconnect like we're just kind of like oh yeah that's what going to the caribbean is like that's what tourism there is but it stems from slavery <laughs> like what the yeah, fuck and, like obviously there's something to be said about it. if you go to a place the people from that place are probably going to be working in that place but i yeah. think like the really uncomfy part is a its roots in colonialism and b the fact that like i want to say 90 percent of the people who go to all-inclusives are white people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are wealthy white people <laughs> yeah so it just makes yeah. it a little bit more uncomfy yep indefinitely yeah, exactly yeah 
and there's even like some racism that exists within like the caribbean like if you're a black person and you go to a caribbean resort it's been reported that people experience like racism like they are asked to get drinks even though they're a guest on the resort or they are treated completely differently than like if they go with a group of like their white friends or something like that and they'll be singled out for a security search or for like asking if they're just like selling something or something like that so it's, yeah it's pretty bad it happens in a lot of different um scenarios so uh some other issues in the caribbean as i was saying tourism is its main income source <laughs> one in four jobs are related to tourism um and everything is imported so the white sand isn't actually from there in most places they have to import the sand from countries that have it and since a lot of uh, caribbean places have like brown sand or the sand isn't super soft or the beach is rocky but they have to have this white sand imagery otherwise they believe that tourists like won't want to come there because it's not like it's supposed to be in the ads or in the photo so they have to import their sand not real all the food is imported even though there's like really strong agricultural roots in the Caribbean and they like they've completely given up on that kind of side of the industry. And so the cost of importing food and milk from overseas is actually cheaper than it is to buy from their own from their own people. So mm-hmm. if you go to the grocery store and you see like mangoes from like Mexico and then you see mangoes from the Caribbean place that you're staying at, the mangoes from Mexico will be cheaper than the ones that are local and that are locally sourced. So it's pretty much not even giving anyone the opportunity, the already poor country, <laughs> the opportunity to even grow their own economy because everything is so expensive. And now the agricultural industry is failing too. Even the stones to build the resort are imported. The only thing not imported is the land, obviously, <laughs> um, used to make the resorts. But taking over a solid chunk of beach and a solid chunk of land just for tourism has been compared to the sugarcane plantation. Era. Interesting. Bruh, (laughs) this shit is so fucked. So the governments of the Caribbean also put the needs of tourists over their own people. For example, um, a hospital was recently built in the Caribbean just for tourists. Like local people weren't allowed to go to the hospital just for tourists. And yet um, healthcare is like unaccessible for a lot of people in the Caribbean. In Thailand, they they have a tourist police. They have like a different police force for, I don't know if it's a different police force or if it's a different telephone line, but there's like a number for tourists to call the police and there's a number for locals to call the police. Wow. Isn't that weird? That is really weird. I don't know if tourists get get better or worse service. I don't know what the situation is there, but I always thought it was like a little strange that there's separate lines. Anyways, sorry. Yeah, that is really weird. It's okay. They probably (laughs) get treated a lot better than the locals. (laughs) Like, yeah. Um, So... Selling land, uh, the government is like selling land for more tourism, while the people who are living in the Caribbean are homeless, or their communities or towns are being destroyed for a resort to get built in its place. And yeah, it's just pretty sad to like imagine living somewhere where your government cares more about the tourists than the people that live there. But the issue is that they're so reliant on tourism for money because they're so deeply in debt from building up tourism that they don't really have a choice but to prioritize the tourists and critics are even saying that this dependency on like foreign people and on foreign Mm -hmm. powers is basically a new form of slavery next 
when you pay your money to go to the resort, let's say you pay like $1,000 for your all-inclusive, yeah. the employees barely see any of that money. Mm-hmm. Most of it goes back to foreign investors or to pay countries who are importing food, marble, sand, chairs, anything. And most of the money that people make from resorts actually come from tips. Yeah. So don't forget to tip. Um, yeah. And like a lot of the pe- the places, like for example, Jamaica is so, so, so in debt. I think there's seven or eight billion dollars in debt. How the fuck are they even going to pay that back? Like nobody knows, but they're so in debt from making these resorts that they just literally have no choice but to continue to make money off of tourism. Next, waste management. This one is so, so sad. Um, it's like extremely underdeveloped. And because the water isn't clean, like I think everybody hears that about going to the Caribbean, like don't drink the water from the tap or whatever. Yeah. Um, the amount of plastic water bottles being used every day is just huge. It's the entire island plus all of the tourists. And in some places in the Caribbean, the amount of tourists outnumber the amount of locals in a particular season. So they're supporting like twice the amount of people over the entire summer months or whenever the busy months are. And that's twice the amount of plastic water bottles. And yeah, and the water isn't clean because there isn't a proper water waste management system. And one video I watched about the Caribbean was talking about how mm-hmm. um, when you go to the Caribbean, like a lot of tourists don't think about where their bath water is going or where their like toilet flush is going or where anything is going. And the woman who was doing the video, her response was simply that the ocean is very large. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. And the pollution is just, is just, they just dump it all into the ocean and then they're like, the water's not clean. And then it's like, the, it's just such a horrible cycle. And now the pollution is causing this huge issue where um, people are starting to create like ecotourism out of necessity because mm-hmm. of this um, proverb that you can't kill the goose that laid the golden egg, right? So nature was the thing and the views and the scenery was the thing that made people want to come to the Caribbean in the first place. And then once that nature is destroyed, there's not, because of tourism, there's not (laughs) going to be like any reason to return to the Caribbean. And then they're going to be in an even worse place. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. It's just, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's really sad. It's just such a mess, man. And their entire, they have like entire islands just dedicated to like garbage. Like they're not, they don't really recycle. um, They don't, they just don't really have like those kinds of systems in place like yeah and they don't have the capacity to like build the infrastructure for that and i feel like if um like resorts and tourism companies wanted to like really practice like ethical tourism or whatever um maybe instead of buying all the tourist water bottles they could invest into local water systems into making their water like drinkable and to be able to have like sewage that actually works instead of just yeah and it's sustainable everything. over the long term and helps yeah, everybody there exactly. not just the uh wealthy white people that decide to go there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my professor was saying how a lot of like the government leadership in some of the caribbean countries she was from trinidad and mm-hmm. she was saying how they're like incapable of of doing long-term plans or like seeing any yeah. long-term effects because just the way their government is structured and i guess and i guess like historical reasons they just don't they only really are living for the moment and for the now and like how to get out of this current thing and aren't really thinking long term and she said that that's like a problem that they've been seeing for a really long time now 
Yeah, I think also if, like, you're already in a state of disparity, like, as a government, it's really hard to, like, have the capacity to have oh, that, those long-term goals when you're, like, I've mm-hmm. got to deal with all mm-hmm. the shit that's going on now. Yeah. It's just too much. It's just way too much. They just have way too many problems. Like, no one's going to help them. Like, it's so sad. Um, the next thing. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, the next thing and a little bit of a last thing is the commoditization of culture. So uh, tourists who do not or who do want to experience some of the local culture, they are actually getting watered down versions of the culture that exists. And it only really exists for the consumption of tourists. And this has caused a pretty big issue within the Caribbean, too, where people now feel like they don't really have a, a culture in like really strong roots because it's been so like created for someone else that Mm -hmm. they don't feel like they really have a culture without the performance side of it so crafts only exist like for sale yeah Yeah. materials can be cheaply produced often imported as well and then they just make it like to sell to tourists and to give them a little piece of like the caribbean to take home or something like that but you haven't really made in china (laughs) yeah seriously we haven't really had like a cultural experience and now people are in the caribbean just feel like they don't have a culture because it's been performance for so long yeah it's been commodified and that's what we talk about on this podcast all the time that commodifying anything instantly ruins it yeah (laughs) facts instantly (laughs) yep um so the hope right now is mainly for ecotourism to kind of start to take off mm-hmm. um but there's a lot of people who don't really like the ecotourism thing because yeah, as heard a lot of- eco-friendly as you try to make it it still is pollution air travel is pollution yeah and um like the point of these ecotourism places is that you go into this place that's like untouched and it's in the mountain and you're seeing a different side of the caribbean than the beach and mm-hmm. the sea and stuff but the problem is that these places you're disrupting nature you know yeah. these places they don't they've never had car gas emissions and like you don't know how your presence is disrupting the native species or the native animals or and anything like you like know that. what those places still have to get you food water and <laughs> sewage disposal if you're going to these mm-hmm. untouched places they're gonna have to develop these places mm-hmm. to house you so I think a lot of it is performative. It's kind of like the, uh, like the volunteer trips. Oh yeah, they yeah. fly you. You pay too. a lot of money to an organization, and that organization flies you out to, like, volunteer for a couple of hours instead of just donating your money, mm-hmm. employing local people. Yeah, yeah. Instead, yeah, they employ just... like students for volunteer hours. Yeah, it's just performative to get people to probably pay don't money even and use feel good about it. Yeah. Yup. Yup. Um. <laughs> there's, I know it's a sad, sad situation. Like it's pretty. It seems. It seems kind of hopeless a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. So people. Some of the places are trying to turn it around. Trinidad and Tobago have reduced the land that tourism can take to only ten percent. Yeah, it's getting there. But Trinidad and Tobago is such a small, small island. Like, 10% is still, like, a pretty solid chunk. But, like, I understand, like, they need to make it a little bit more sustainable. Um, Some of the resorts or some of the countries are changing their slogans to, like, the way the Caribbean used to be to discourage um, 
tourism into resorts and to kind of encourage different types of mass tourism since they've mm-hmm. pretty much accepted that mass tourism isn't going to go away but they just need to be able to like handle it a little bit better and to not destroy yeah. the thing that made it so attractive to tourists in the first place yeah. um um uh the oh yeah so the ecotourism like I don't know if I could call it a phase or like a fad or like just a, this word ecotourism. It doesn't really have a solid definition. No. And it is a very fluid definition. And there's like a couple different types of ecotourism where it's like, it's like soft ecotourism and then like hardcore ecotourism. And it can really vary from just trying your best to recycle to... <laughs> To, we have a recycling bin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Eco. <laughs> to like living in the middle of the mountains and like seeing a different part of mm. the country that you normally would. So it's so easy to say you're doing ecotourism, but really you're just doing the bare minimum or you're not even doing it at all. Yeah. You're just lying about it. <laughs> yeah, it's just so, a buzzword. Exactly. Like uh, that greenifying thing that people are doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, this is a green product. But it's, yeah, greenwashing. But it's pretty much uh, just not. So, yeah, if you ever feel weird about going to an all-inclusive, your feelings are justified. You should. It is <laughs> weird. weird. <laughs> you should feel weird about it. If you don't feel weird about it, I hope you do now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need to be woke about this shit. Don't live in ignorance like I was. Um and yeah, just kind of like looking towards the future, I guess. Um, we've talked about this in class a little bit. Like what are some ideas that we might have for different types of industries that could happen in the Caribbean? And like mostly, most po- most people in the class agree that agriculture is the way to go and that the governments should invest in environmental education for people who are like growing up for the next generation of people who are going to be living there and needing to live there. Um and yeah, agriculture is still possible, but the problem is that there's this like myth that you need to be modernized. And then if you're modernized and if you're like on the internet and if you're like doing tech and if you have a big city with tall buildings, then you're winning. And that is peak success for a country. And uh, it's a myth. Uh, I said it was a myth and it is a myth. <laughs> <laughs> Both can exist in one place. Yeah. And agriculture is still just as strong as like technology or some fucking bullshit that we're doing over here (laughs) and honestly Um, we'll probably be more sustainable for the long term like i see tech easily falling Mm. you know and other things or being not as profitable but like growing food we're always gonna need food yeah yeah Yeah. exactly it could be such a good way to like just bring the economy back and like even starting starting small i just wish someone could forgive debt like it's so stupid how they're just in debt and now they're just dug Mm -hmm. in this deep deep hole it's like just they're never gonna pay the money back so just why why is or why are you holding this over their head like it's just this power struggle this power dynamic between the two countries that it's just like they're just doing it to keep them under their thumb i guess is the word so anything in the end to not be reliant on foreign powers anymore and foreign investors anymore is a good direction to go. And if you are planning to go to an all-inclusive, remember to tip. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much they're not going to see any of that $1,000 that you paid to get into the resort. So yeah. Your money 
your cash money, your cold hard cash is the best that you can do to help. Yeah. Otherwise, I think they need to, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, this week's <laughs> little talky talk, <laughs> little um, opinion, I guess. I yeah, don't know. Just enlightenment. Yeah. Kind of have them sometimes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Rosy. Unfortunately. Thank yeah. you, Lydia. No Thank you for that talk. I feel like it's an important talk to have, especially as COVID starts to wind down. That was me knocking on wood, if you heard that in your audio, because every time it does wind down, it uh, ramps back up again. But it seems yeah, like it, it is kind of winding down and more people are traveling now. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I think it's an important thing to have on the mind as you're traveling, mm-hmm. planning travel. Maybe there's a better way for you to plan the travel. Yeah. Hotel, local. Mm-hmm. Do like, you know, get food at local places. Yeah doesn't have to be an all-inclusive i know all-inclusives are so easy though that's the thing is that you don't have to like think you don't even have to think about it <laughs> yeah just true. go you don't have to plan or anything but yeah maybe not the best yeah. definitely not the best and then ecotourism isn't even that good like god damn it there's just so, there's just yeah what's the point of being aware of problems if there's no solutions I don't have answers to that. I don't know. <laughs> in theory, I think it's supposed to make you a better person. Oh, interesting. So I'm just like learning about all this garbage, <laughs> about this sad stuff to be a better person. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Okay, yeah. That's it for me. I'm going to pass it on to Courtney. <laughs> Welcome, guys, to the second half of the podcast. Um, Carol. Yeah, we're going to talk about something a little bit more lighthearted. Yay. Less important, but more lighthearted. Okay, um, gotcha. This week, I'm talking about the curse of Macbeth. And I almost Ooh. feel like I'm jinxing myself a little bit by saying uh, Macbeth in like this setting, but fingers crossed, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> okay. um, so for those of you that don't know, there is a superstition in theater that neither the name of the play Macbeth or any of the quotes of the play can be said by any of like the actors in a Macbeth production outside of the rehearsals. So you can say it when you're in the play, when you're in the scene, but if you're not in the scene, you can't say it. And then additionally, there's also a superstition that like, if you're in any theater, you can't say it. So if you're in the Mm. audience of a theater, you're not supposed to say it. And basically, if you break this rule, terrible things will happen to you. Not happen oh to you, but happen God. to the cast, basically, Okay. of Macbeth. Um, so first, we're going to try to see where this came from. No one's really 100% sure where this superstition came from, but there are theories. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is this lady, Dr. Anna Chuhan, Um of the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust. And she said that it's highly likely that Shakespeare gathered um, inspiration for his plays from real things that were happening in his life and from real events mm. that he saw, which makes sense. That's usually what happens. That's, That's inspiration. usually how art goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so people believe that it is highly likely that he probably came into contact with some witches. 
Ooh, cool. Yeah. And so the theory is basically that the opening scene of Macbeth is, I think it's three witches. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting around and they're saying a curse. Mm-hmm. And the theory is, is that this curse is actually a real curse. <gasps> and it has cursed the play. Oh, that's sick. <laughs> that's so sick. So every time you like read the script for the first time, you're putting the curse on the entire cast. It. Yeah. And basically just oh. Macbeth as a whole is cursed because of this real thing. And that's so, so cool. Kind of further supporting this theory is that Shakespeare wrote all of his plays using the pentameter. Um, which is like the, oh you know, the iambic pentameter yeah 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 that um, and the witchy verse is the only verse in all of his works that uses a tetrameter and not oh. the pentameter so it's completely this one verse is completely different from anything else he's ever written wow. so people think that the verse was either written by actual witches that he like hired actual witches to write it or that he wrote down an actual curse that he knew a yeah. curse and he wrote it down that's so fucking cool (laughs) yeah and so some people believe the first theory that witches wrote it and the people who believe the second theory that he wrote a curse Mm. believes that when witches heard the play they got really angry that he like basically outed one of their curses Mm -hmm. or one of their spells i guess and they placed a curse on the play (laughs) they cursed the curse that was a real curse i guess (laughs) yeah pretty much Thank you. Cool. Great summary. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I follow. <laughs> um, and on top of this, people in the 1600s did not have uh, much education, and science was kind of chugging along at this point, but many things in life were still unexplained, mm-hmm. um, and life was just kind of generally tough. So a lot of people did believe in magic, and mm-hmm. so consequently also believe in black magic. And apparently the opening scene of this play actually used to really scare people when they used to play it in theaters because, like, the belief in magic was so strong. They thought it was real witches doing a real curse. Wow, that's so cool. He was so groundbreaking. Like, to do that to the people? That's crazy. (laughs) I'm surprised he wasn't accused of being a witch. (laughs) Okay, so this is kind of where it gets interesting. He's not um, accused of being a witch, but he wrote the play because he was trying to impress um, King James I, who was Scottish and who was also an expert in witchcraft. I don't know how you become an expert in witchcraft without being a witch. That seems fishy to me, but (laughs) apparently he was an expert in it. He's like, no, I just study it. I don't practice it. Yeah, it's just (laughs) fun. I just like to, you know, read about it. Um, That's like me. I'm like, no, I just know everything about horoscopes. But like, I don't believe it. I don't believe horoscopes. (laughs) I'm not one of those girls. I know. I'm I'm never. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, so he wrote it trying to impress King James, um, and then after he put on the play for the first time, and King James saw it, King James proceeded to immediately ban the play for five years. The play did not be put on for another five years, because King what? James was like, that is batshit crazy, that there is a spell in that play. Immediately yeah. no. Immediately no. So it kind of backfired <laughs> on uh, Shakespeare yeah, a little definitely. bit. And... There's another, like, fringe theory that is completely aside from magic is that um, Macbeth was such a popular name way back when. And so many Mm. theaters were, like, putting it on and it was um, attracting a lot of audiences that often poor and struggling theaters would put on Macbeth in hopes of um, bringing in a lot of audiences. Mm -hmm. And so there was, like, 
a high correlation between theaters putting on Macbeth and then going out of business. Oh, <laughs> so people thought it was cursed for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of really like another... it was just popular. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then so, what happens if you say Macbeth by accident? It happens. It might slip out. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a cleansing ritual that you can do. <gasps> really? <laughs> say Macbeth by accident. Yay! And this is actually like still practiced today oh, by I actors it. in theater. Yeah, they're so they're superstitious. So, superstitious. Yeah. <laughs> so if an actor says Macbeth in a no-no instance, um, basically they have to do the <laughs> cleansing ritual. So there's a couple of variations. Um, one of them is just spinning three times. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Before they do the ritual, they have to leave. <laughs> They, oh, they have to get out of the theater. They get out. They don't get out okay. of the theater. They just leave the rehearsal area, maybe like go backstage or, you know, mm-hmm. just out of the area, be by themselves. They have to either turn three times, um, spit over their left shoulder, mm-hmm. swear, or recite a line from another one of Shakespeare's plays. And then they can that only come back so once they cool. are invited back by the by the cast the cast has oh. to invite them back in they have to say yes we trust you you've done the cleansing ritual you may come back in that's so sick yes and in more elaborate iterations of the ritual they do ask you to leave the premise you have to completely evacuate the theater go outside and um in those instances you have to spin around brush yourself off and say Macbeth three times and mm. some theater companies will completely kick you out and not let <laughs> you back in until they say. And they actually punish frequent offenders by leaving them outside for long periods of time. <laughs> They're so like, you funny. can't come back. They're like, how many fucking Think times about what you did happen <laughs> before you learn your lesson yet? Come on, time out. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, and yes, of course, you have to be invited back in once you do your cleansing ritual. Mm-hmm. So... If now they forget about you, you're like, I'm still out here. Hello? <laughs> I was just a supporting role, but still, <laughs> I need to be in rehearsals. Um, so now we're going to go over some stories of bad stuff that has happened to people Ooh. because of the curse. Oh my god, okay. Um, and now it's important to note before we go into the bad stories of things that have happened that this is one of the most popular Shakespeare plays. It's one of the <laughs> longest and it has like the most action and fighting mm-hmm. out of all his plays. So statistically, it is the most likely play, for instance, to Damn occur it. in. So just important to remember. Um, some yeah. people think that it just might be difficult to perform, and that is why. But magic. Magic, magic, magic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a magic so believer. in 1937, the theater manager of a Macbeth production had a heart attack and she died the night of the dress rehearsal whoa in the same night a falling stage weight um just missed landing on the star who was oh laurence olivier olivier it's probably <laughs> so a french name that i'm supposed to pronounce better but i didn't <laughs> and then also in the same night the director and the actress playing lady macbeth were in a car accident so these th- okay. somebody died somebody almost died and two more people almost died <laughs> but yeah, i thought if it was in rehearsals it's okay like why are people who are putting on the macbeth play that's getting who the bad punished? fortune comes to only people who put on macbeth and not people who it's the cast it's okay you put a the- curse on the cast 
And if it's said by somebody in the theater, it puts a curse on the cast. And if it's said by somebody in the cast, it puts a curse on the cast. And so any one of these people that were in the cast could have said, you know, Macbeth while they were at home or... Oh, okay. You know. That's the theory that somebody that's in this cast or somebody in the theater said Macbeth. Crazy. And then... You are not safe at all when you're putting no. on this show. No. So... They could literally just be even like an audience member that comes in and is like, I'm going to see Macbeth. I'm so excited to see this show. And then they put a curse on the cast unknowingly. Mm -hmm. It's risky business. What? Putting on a Macbeth play is risky. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Holy shit. Oh, on top of that. Okay. There's more actually to this one play. It doesn't end there. So... As a reminder, in one night, one lady died, stage weight almost fell on the star, and then two other people were in a car accident on the same night. Mm -hmm. And they were like, this is crazy. (laughs) They postponed the opening of the play. Very rational decision to make at that point. And then when they finally did open, the portrait of the theater manager who had died um, fell off the theater wall. Mm. And during one of the fights, they were using real weapons. One flew into the audience and scared an audience member so much that he had a heart attack. Oh, <laughs> baby. So Damn. Just a series of unfortunate events for that Yeah, production. seriously. That's so crazy. I wonder which one of them, like, was responsible for the curse or, like, who I know. who walked in and that person's was just probably like, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I hope after that first night, they all performed the cleansing ritual. Like, that would have been the smart yeah. thing to do. But I guess if it's not the person who placed the curse, then the cleansing mm-hmm. ritual doesn't work, right? I don't think so. I think it has okay. to be the person who said it. Wow. So it could have just been like a fucking person delivering the mail or something. And he's like, hey, I have My your Macbeth uh, programs ready to go. And they're like, okay, thanks. Bye. And he left. No idea. Doom. No idea. Wow. That's crazy. So in another instance, in 1942, in a production put on by Piccadilly Theaters, um, three actors actually died. So two of the witches and King Duncan all died. Whoa. Um, one of them died right on stage. And then the Whoa. costume designer later committed suicide. <gasps> oh my fucking God. So wow. Putting, putting on, on this show is, is life traumatic. or death. Yeah. yeah. That was crazy. In 1947, an actor named Harold Norman was mortally wounded during a stage fight. Um, during Macbeth and he died three weeks later in hospital oh my god that's so messed up in the 1960s this one's kind of crazy this one doesn't actually affect the cast which is horrible and cool and so there was a company that was touring Macbeth in South Africa um, and they were unloading their set with like a crane thing and a passerby came by and he asked what the show was and the unloading guy said Macbeth they were outside of the theater but the loading mm-hmm. guy said Macbeth and the second he said Macbeth a spear fell from the crane and went through the person who asked the question what the fuck isn't that spooky ooks? that's so spooky i'm getting goosebumps that's literally <laughs> so scary oh yeah. my god can you imagine oh my god that'd be so traumatizing like obviously for the person who died scary mm-hmm. but for the person who had to just stand there and be like Macbeth, and then the person is just like impaled <clears throat> right oh in front of him shit. that's fucking horrifying <gasps> Cramps, cramskies. i wonder if he blames himself my bad <laughs> no, that was my bad <laughs> Uh, it's 
it's Shakespeare play. Yeah. We and need to come up with a code There is word. a name for it. Um, so the name that they call it to avoid saying it is um, the Scottish play because that references its location. And then apparently in British sign language, Macbeth and Scotland have the same sign. Hmm. It's the same thing. So it's the same word for both of them. So they call it the Scottish play. That's cool. Yeah. Hmm. Um, okay. So you can say like the Scottish play, but if you even still quote anything mm-hmm. from the Scottish it's play, okay. you're still. Okay. okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That'd be really okay. careful. All right. So in 1964, a fire burned down the Maria the Second Theater while Macbeth oh, was no. on. In 1990, in 1988, this one's very dramatic. A Bulgarian singer by the name of Bancho Benchevsky, Benchevsky mm-hmm. um, committed suicide during a nationally broadcasted matinee of Macbeth. What? He threw himself backwards from a railing, from a balcony <gasps> railing, during the play. What? Why? <laughs> I don't know. That's so fucking insane. I, oh my god. The curse really messes with you. Yeah. <laughs> it was the witches who pushed him. The fugues. Maybe. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> um, during the filming of Hereditary, so this one's kind of recent. Oh, yes. Yeah, that really messed up movie. Yeah, um, that movie was fucked. <laughs> the writer and director, the same person. He wrote and directed the movie. He's like... Okay. Um, <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and so he was told by somebody on set not to say Macbeth, and he thought they were just kind of joking around. He was like, ooh, Macbeth. So he said mm. it. And then the very next scene that they filmed, one of their lights just, like, exploded. Whoa. No one died. No one got hurt. But kind of but just, like, But the curse is alive. It's cool that it happened on a different set, too. Like, it wasn't a Macbeth yeah, set. It right? was a different sort of thing. So that's nice. The Wow. It lives on. Yeah. Mm. In 19, no, 1849, we're going back in time a little bit here. In 1849, mm-hmm. there was a really famous actor called William McReady, almost like Macbeth, which I think is kind of cool, um, who was touring a production of Macbeth across the States. And he had an actor rival. I didn't know that this happened, but he had an actor rival who was starring <laughs> in a different Macbeth. Wow. Um, but they're starting at the same time. And so mm-hmm. when McReady went to perform in New York, his rival's fans, so his rival was Edwin Forrest, and Edwin Forrest's fans showed up at McReady's show. Oh, my God. And a riot happened between the fans in oh the audience. Oh, my God. And it was already heavily policed because the police kind of thought something was going to happen. Tensions were rising, you know. <laughs> um, and so when the riot started, a soldier fired into the crowd and killed 20 people. What? Mm-hmm. Holy fucking crap, dude. Yeah. That's so insane. Oh, insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. Shit's <laughs> crazy. So this one is a story um, from David Bellwood, who is a manager at Shakespeare's Globe, the famous theater in England, I think. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, And so one day while he was on tour for a different play, it wasn't Macbeth, but it was a different play. Um, He was sad because one of his friends had passed away. 
And so one of his other friends brought him a book to cheer him up. And the book was The Complete Works of Shakespeare. So it had all of Shakespeare's play in it. And while looking at it, one of their other friends just casually said, oh, hey, I studied Macbeth while I was at school. And he was like, oh, don't what have say you done? Macbeth. You know, yeah. and she just kind of laughed it off. She was like, whatever. It's a superstition. And in the show that night, two of the violinist strings snapped spontaneously. Whoa. One woman fell off the stage and another <laughs> dancer danced straight into a wall and knocked <gasps> himself unconscious. <laughs> And then David Bellwood was like, never say Macbeth again to his friend. Yeah. And I'm sure she never said it again. I think she learned her lesson. (laughs) Holy shit, dude. Yeah, that's a curse. Mm. That is a curse. That shit just doesn't happen. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so the most famous, um, I guess, curse situation, unfortunate event, was the first ever performance of Macbeth where Lady, the actor playing Lady Macbeth, died shortly before his first first performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is probably where the legend or myth began. But this is very interesting because apparently this was actually made up. So oh. there was our cartoonist who was called Max Beerbaum, um, who was annoyed about the hype around Macbeth. He was like... I can't open a newspaper without seeing Macbeth, you know? He was just yeah. fed up with it. So he made up a story, and he called it Bardology, and he put mm. it in the newspaper about this actor dying right before oh, wow. the show, and everyone believed it. Mm, yeah, but it was actually enough. made up, and a lot of people believe that this instance is where the legend came from, but it's actually a made-up mm. legend. Wow. What the fuck? Hmm. Huh. Huh, well, then I guess I don't believe the legend if it's just made up. I'm on the witch's side. (laughs) And so, yeah, this is basically kind of how it all started. Um, And a lot of people say that, like, with this superstition being around, people tend to pay more attention to Macbeth, which is probably why so many people believe in the legend, because if something happens, if something bad happens during a Macbeth production, everyone's like, ooh, it's the curse. If mm-hmm. something bad happens in another production, people are like, meh, that sucks. Something bad happened. So it's kind of yeah. like people are looking for that correlation anyways. Oh, um, okay. So that might be why. And it's been put on for 400 years? <laughs> I think so. 69. Yeah. It's been put on for like so, 400 yeah. years. So there is, you know, a high likelihood that some bad things have happened during that time. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And additionally, the on top of this. go wrong. Actors can be so superstitious. Yeah. Um, they really want luck on their side. They really want to make sure their shows go well. And like acting is kind of a high pressure situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of one of those things that it's better to believe it and be wrong than not to believe it and yeah. be wrong. So it's okay, like, okay. why not be yeah. on the safe side and not say Macbeth and do my cleansing ritual just to make sure that yes. I don't die? Yes, yes, yes. Seems yes. fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. I would keep that going too. Same, same. <laughs> I totally understand. Like, yeah, better better safe than sorry every time, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. So people have just come up with like fun little nicknames for Macbeth. So the Scottish play, some people call it like uh, McBee or like, <laughs> I don't know. McDonald's. I don't know. So, yeah. And <laughs> Lady Macbeth is called like Lady Scotland or, you know. Oh, so they wow. kind of replace like everyone's names, which would be really confusing for me if I was acting. 
because I feel like yeah, I would but... start mixing up the names, but yeah possibly you would probably have to like memorize it though you know yeah can you imagine if you're on stage one night and instead of saying lady macbeth you're like lady scott blend <laughs> <laughs> and i was like the- i mean macbeth <laughs> yeah, i feel like that would happen to me yeah and i would blame it on the curse if that did happen yes like that yes wasn't me. that was it's just, just another instance of the curse yeah it was just patricia's fault <laughs> And she yeah, didn't do the cleansing. It's a little talk. Uh, That's so cool. Not too much of an opinion, but just like fun little stories for people who yeah. aren't in theater, who did not know. Now About you know. Macbeth. 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 And if you don't know, now you now know. Now you know. <laughs> and now you are wiser. And now when the you wise. go into a, into a theater for the first time, you know not to make stupid rookie mistakes. Don't like say saying Macbeth. That. You're going to be yeah. kicked out or someone's going to die. Mm-hmm. And you're going to know it's your fault. Yeah, exactly. You have to play by these rules now. Maybe part of it is just being aware of the superstition. That like really Mm -hmm. adds to the superstition. Yeah, if you're like you're looking for it. Yeah. If you're in the cast and someone's like, somebody said Macbeth earlier today, you're going to be like, oh my God. And maybe it's more likely for an accident to happen if you're already Mm -hmm. like, I think an accident's going to happen. You're manifesting the accident. Exactly. Manifestation, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And if actors have, like, no idea, like, maybe someday, 50 years from now, they'll just have no idea about the Macbeth curse. Like, maybe it won't get passed down for some sad reason. And uh, it'll die. Maybe we're the only ones giving it power. The believers. Yes, it'll be immortalized through our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that a lot. I'm like, what's going to happen in, like, 20 years when we come back to this podcast and, like, the world is just a completely different place? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, or if like the crazy. world ends and our podcast is like one of the only <laughs> things to make it <laughs> yeah, like, remember, what was going on back there remember when we were talking about like oh. what would happen if our podcast made it to mars and it was like the <laughs> only thing the aliens like had to find out what earth was like <laughs> i think it's a pretty accurate representation yeah me personally too. i think we talk mm-hmm. about really important topics thought-provoking they would know about capitalism they'd be like fuck that capitalism shit yeah exactly (laughs) they'd know to avoid it at all costs yeah they'd be like "Ooh, labor bad Mm. go to two hours of work a day (laughs) max beach (laughs) yeah go to beach like i've never heard of this beach but it sounds lovely it is it is might be imported but it is lovely (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it is oh man and that's the issue. People keep going back. Because they're like, this shit is so nice. It's so cool. It is. I also heard that they, like, we're totally backtracking to Lydia's opinion here now. <laughs> it's okay. But I also it's heard... the weird kind of energy podcast today. <laughs> um, that they, um, they have to, like, wake up really early to clean all the garbage off the beaches before the tourists wake up. Because the tourists, like, expect oh. it to be pristine. But that's not the reality of the world that we live in. There's lots of garbage yeah. that washes up on shore of beaches. And so they wake oh. up in the morning and they clean it all. Wow. Before wakes up to see it. That's so sad. And then yeah. they just dump it deeper into the middle of the ocean somewhere. <laughs> so it'll be, be washed up later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Holy shit. Mm. So sad. Just an endless cycle of sad. Yep. Macbeth. <laughs> All right. Should I conclude this? Yeah. 
And that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for sticking around. Thank you for listening to Lydia's very important little chat about all-inclusives. And, Thank you. And um, how we all need to think about our actions. Yeah. Sit in the corner and think about what you did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and thank you for listening to my little talk about the curse of Macbeth. I heard. I hope you learned. I heard. I hope I, you're <laughs> learned. <laughs> I hope you learned something new, and I hope you're a little bit more prepared now to going uh, yeah. to see theater shows because you should mm-hmm. do it because it's fun. But now you know what not to do. Yeah, in a theater. How to also, have a good you're not show. supposed to whistle. I read that somewhere. Just thought you guys should. Okay. Okay, fair enough. I don't know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> if you want to let us know what you think, you can head over to our Instagram, which is very.unimportant.people. You can find us on Twitter, uh, the unimportant PPL. You can email us, uh, hatersclickhere at gmail.com, and that's H A T R S, clickhere at gmail.com. Um, we are on uh, TikTok. Yeah, buddy. It's my favorite one of our platforms, so you should definitely find us on there. Mm-hmm. And. Also, check out our Patreon. Yay, our Patreon. It's still there. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, so to check do out. that, you can head over to our Instagram, check out our bio, click on our link tree, click the big button that says Patreon. Mm-hmm. Patreon. That's what you do. We will click love it. you forever. You'll be there. And that's it for us this week. I hope you have a great week.